Hear the word of the Lord from Mark 8, 34 through 38. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, thank you. Can you turn my mic down just a little bit? All right, so we are going through the book of Mark. One of the interesting things about preaching uh, through books of the Bible, uh, just in sequential order, is uh, you kind of, well, I guess you do know what's coming next, but sometimes I'm preaching something, I'm like, man, that, that's a, that seems kind of harsh, Jesus. That's some, some hard words. And I feel like today is one of those days in which Jesus is saying something that is going to challenge us this morning. And I want you to know, if, you're not, if it's not uh, usual, if it's not your usual thing to come here, that's just, this is just the next chapter. And I think Jesus has something challenging but good and loving to say to us this morning. Um, I, I saw this picture once of a, of a guy named James Albarassi. I can't say his name. He's a, he was a Catholic priest. And he would sit at his desk, and he had a really interesting thing that he would put on the corner of his desk. Now, I have a desk. I put, uh, like, like travel things from it, uh, you know, pictures of my family. But the thing that he decided to put on the corner of his desk was a human skull. Isn't that weird? It was really strange, right? He, he would have that skull just there, and it was there all, no matter what he was doing, who he was talking to, that skull would be right there. And when people said, hey, yo, why do you have that? That's weird. <laughs> you know, it's kind of creepy. Why is that skull there? He said, it is there because I need to remember often that I will die. That I will die. And that's not something that I need to hide from. That's not something that I need to tuck away in a corner. In fact, he thought that if he remembered the fact that his life in the grand scheme of things was short and that his death was sure, that would change the way that he lived. Or or, or, or someone we might be more familiar with, uh, the great evangelist Billy Graham, he said, the way we view death determines to a surprising degree the way we live our lives. Yeah? If we, if we think about the fact that our time is short, that it is limited, and that, that there will come a time where it will end, and we'll have to stand before the Lord, the way we live our life, the decisions that we make, the things that we think about would be affected, would they not? I, I remember one of the things that I, um, that I have to do a lot as my, my job as a pastor is I have to do funerals a good bit. And um, so when I, want, when I have to learn how to do something, my thing is I got to read a book on it. I'm like, let me just read. I need, I need to understand. So, so I, re- I read this book about funerals uh, from a Christian perspective. And one of the things that it was talking about was as, as we've gotten into the modern era, we start to use language that distances ourselves from what is actually happening. So instead of they died, we say they passed. Instead of a funeral, we call it a celebration of life. 
it was really interesting because he said, in the modern age, we actually want to pretend as if we aren't going to die. And that even, it even seeps into how we, we treat the time when people die. We, we use all this other language, and we, and we separate ourselves from that process as much as possible because we actually don't want to think about that fact. The question that I want you to think about is, how would your life look different today if you remembered often that you would die? Now, now here's the, the answer, I think, from a, from a Christian perspective, is that, is that if we remembered that we would die, it calls us, that fact calls us to deny ourselves now by following Christ because we will gain life and glory later. If we realize the, the, the shortness of our life, we would, we would use whatever we have to honor Christ because we would understand that he gives a gift of life without end. So let's pray. Father, please help us to understand your word. Would you, would you just, just give us clarity of mind to consider things that we might not even want to consider, but they're in your word, so we must consider them. And Lord, I pray that, that you would speak powerfully to our hearts, that your word would accomplish what you set it to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so in verse 34, we're going to go straight through the verse. Verse 34 says, Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he, Jesus, said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So following Jesus, at the very least, means that you deny yourself. And one of the things that's so interesting is, is, is I don't think Jesus is doing this bait and switch thing. Like he has these crowds following him. He's, there, he's doing miracles. He's feeding people. And, and they're, they're like, oh, man, what's he going to say? And, and if I was a popular speaker, I don't know if I would say that. Right? I don't know. I don't think that's how you build a crowd, right? That's kind of an awkward thing to say. But listen, he said to the regular people who follow him, his casual followers, if you will, because just before this, he was talking with his disciples, whom he, whom he spoke very clearly and plainly to. But even to those who were kind of on the outskirts, he wanted to make it very clear what it meant to follow him. That if you follow me, it means that you deny yourself. And you, you know that from the get-go. And that's why when we talk about what it means to come to Christ, we use two words. We use believe, we have faith in what he has done, but we also use the word repent, which means I turn away from living the life that I want to do that, that is around my selfish desires, and I say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. There's this, there's this man who, who died in, uh, in World War II named Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He was a pastor in Germany, and, and at, at that time, a lot of the church was actually siding with Hitler. But he said, no, that's not right. This is crazy. We can't side with him. And, and he actually, before his outspokenness, was put in a concentration camp, and he died. But one of the things that he wrote before he died, he says, the cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is a call to abandon the attachments of this world. And here's what he says. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Now, now he wrote those words. Those are pretty, pretty powerful words, but he actually lived that out. 
He lived it out. The, the call to follow Christ, to stand up what, for what was right, to defend those who were weak, actually led him on the path of death. And if we do not begin with this call, we misdiagnose the problem of humanity. Every philosophy and every religion starts with this idea. They look at humanity and they say, something's wrong. That's the large-scale agreement. Something is wrong. And so they diagnose the problem in order to provide the solution. And Jesus in the scripture says that the problem is that our hearts need help, that our hearts are turned in on themselves, and that we do things often that we know we should not do, or we don't do what we know we ought to do. And so, so to follow Christ means that you would confess that that is true and that you would, that you would submit to him rather than your selfish desires. Because the reality is this, following Christ means that you do not do what you want to do. And this indicates the reality of our sinful nature. So I want you to do a thought experiment. What if everyone did exactly what they wanted to do without concern for others? How would that go? It wouldn't be great. And you, you instinctively, if everybody's like, I'm going to just do what I want, I'm going to do me. Well, what, what about doing you hurt me? No, I'm going to just do me. You know, you know instinctively that everyone, if everybody just followed every whim and desire of their own heart without concern for how it affected others, that would not be a good place, right? People would be hurt. That diagnoses the reality. Like, it's really interesting when people say, follow your heart. Y'all, if I follow my heart, I'm going to end up in a ditch. Like, it's not, it's not always the, the best thing to do to follow your heart because people get hurt when you just do exactly what you want to do, regardless of how it impacts other people. And so we must submit our wills and our wants to Jesus. Now, at this point in the story in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus had already demonstrated that he cared for the people. He had healed people. He had fed them. He had casted out demons. He had shown kindness. So they already at this point, they say, even if Jesus has something hard to say to me, he's already demonstrated to me that he cares for me. So if he says something hard to me, I'm not going to question if he has my best interests in mind. And the reality is we have to think of Jesus like that. Even if Jesus says hard things to us, he has already demonstrated to us that he loves us. I talked about the BBS. How do we know that God loves us? One of the ways that we know is because he has given us great things to enjoy. And I joked around. I said, like food. Everybody's like, yeah, I like food. It's good. You can eat some food and dancing and all the fun things that we did. He has given us so many things to enjoy so we can already understand his predisposition to us. Isn't like, I don't like you. Isn't I want the best for you. It's I love you. So even if someone loves you and they tell you something hard, the assumption isn't that, oh, I guess they changed their mind. The assumption is that they love me enough that they would tell me the truth. He has demonstrated his care for us. And what he says in this passage is that following Christ means that you may have to endure public shame. That's what he says. He says, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The idea is, is he, he's painting the whole crucifixion process. See, in, in the ancient Roman Empire, the, the crucifixion was a, to, a, a tool of execution. But there's a lot of easier ways you could get that job done. 
But in the process of execution, uh, they would have to carry their cross and they would have to walk up to where they would be crucified and people would stand on each side and think, well, what did they do? They have done something wrong. Obviously, they're walking down this path towards a cross and then they would get on a cross and their death wasn't immediate and they would be hanging there for all to see and, and contemplating and wondering what have they done wrong. See, listen, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, it's not just a one-time thing. It means that that you will have to do things that might look shameful to those around you. See, to follow Christ means that you swim against the current culture of this world. See, the shame put on Jesus was actually an indictment on those around him and not on Jesus himself. Jesus is on the cross for doing what? Speaking truth, helping people loving people. Jesus is on the cross and everybody is condemning him. And actually the indictment is actually bouncing off of him and going to them. The reason that he is being shamed is for doing what is good. Have you ever seen that before? Have, have, I, I remember like when I was young and I wanted to do what's right. Let's just keep it real. Like, oh, oh you're going to be like that. Or the goody two shoes, whatever it is. When we want to do what's right in a world that doesn't, oftentimes that means that we will be shamed. And Jesus just puts it out there like that. He says, you got to follow me. Following Christ means imitating him. He lived a life that modeled sacrifice. In, in, in Colossians 3, 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, all that sounds really nice until you actually have to do it, right? That's, oh, that's wonderful. Let's all be forgiven. Now, you don't want to forgive people when they've done you wrong, do you? No, that's actually hard if you actually follow it out. It's always nice to be kind to those who are kind to you, but what about the ones who aren't? That actually requires sacrifice. It's a humility to, to put yourself in a lower position in order to honor somebody else. That actually costs something. Being gentle when others around you are being rough, that costs something. And these things are not easy to practice, but that is what Christ himself lived out. That is what he practiced, how he was gentle and patient with those around him who were not gentle and patient. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you have to imitate the type of life that I lived. And again, on the surface, when I name compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, you're like, oh, that's not hard, but, but, but just do it. It's difficult. It's difficult to choose the way of Christ, especially when folks are rubbing you wrong. So Jesus is, is very clear up front. If you're going to follow me, you're going to deny yourself. There are going to be things that you want to do that I don't want you to do. There are going to be things that I want you to do that will actually will, will publicly shame you around others. And I want you to, to put into practice the virtue and the actions that I have done, which is costly. Why in the world would we do that? Look at verse 35. It says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. See, Jesus is actually encouraging them. I, I want you to have a longer view 
of, of the, the trajectory of your life and, and the life to come. That, that if you would follow me, that if you would deny yourself, if you would honor me, even when, it, when it's awkward and it, and it, and it rubs you wrong, that, that you would save your life by losing it for Christ. I think, I think one of the, the reasons that, that we, we ought to remember that our life is short is because when we don't remember that, a lot of times we do foolish stuff, things that we would regret. If life is short, what can you take with you? Listen to this parable that Jesus told in the book of Luke. He said, he said a rich man's land was very productive. All right, he had stacks. He had money, okay? He thought to himself, what should I do? says, I don't have anywhere to store my crops. I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Basically, he's like, I don't, my, my bank account can't fit no, no new money, and I, I need some more bank accounts. Then I'll say to myself, you have goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you will prepare, whose will they be? See, he had this extra in which he could have used to help people, yeah? Instead of opening more bank accounts, he could have opened some soup kitchens or something. But he just was focused on himself because he didn't realize the, the shortness of his own life. And then he got to the end and he looked back. And I'm sure when God told, called him a fool, he probably regretted the decisions that he made. But if he would have remembered, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your life has a limit on it. Then it says to love, to live your life for Christ in the gospel is eternal good. Jesus is saying, listen, you're sacrificed now sometimes in following me. And I love that he's not, he not, he not playing games. He's not trying to, trying to trick. He's like, you, know, you, you will sacrifice for following me, but you will have eternal happiness later. He says, is that not worth it? This is nothing but the principle of delayed gratification, which we all have to learn at some point. You, that you do things that you don't want to do so that you can do things that you want to do. Yeah? And Jesus is saying, listen, listen, take that idea of delayed gratification and put it as large as you can. That is your life on this earth. You might, do what you, not, you might not do what you want to do if you honor Christ, what your flesh wants you to do, what the sinful part of you wants to do. But, beloved, in eternity, there won't be regret because of that. You won't look back and go, oh, man, I wish I would have. No, no, he says, if you lose your life for my gospel and my sake, you will find it. Look at verse 36 and 37. He says, for what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? See, I think you could take the first things that Jesus said and think, man, he must think really low. He wants me to do hard stuff. He, like, does he really care about me? But he's saying, hold up, hold up. I want you to think about the value of your own life, the value of your own soul. In other words, he's saying, listen, if you value you, you would listen to me. If you value what happens to you eternally, you would listen to me. What you do or what you don't do actually demonstrates how you view yourself. And is this not seen when, when folks are in destructive behaviors? Part of the issue is that they have a low self-image. When people are doing things that are destructive to themselves or destructive to others, a lot of times they don't see the value that they have. 
See, Christ Jesus has a higher value of our worth than we realize. He says, actually, I want you to pay attention to your eternal worth. It is infinite. It is, it is, it is so important. And I want you to value your life so that you would make wise decisions now. He says, what can you give in exchange for your soul? In other words, what do you consider as more important than your soul? What things do you choose over the things that will result in spiritual good? I, we, we make decisions all the time. Decisions and steps towards Christ are decisions and steps away. And Jesus wants you to consider, is that worth it? Is, are the steps away worth it? Do you value your soul like I value your soul? How do we know God values your soul? Listen, what did it cost for your salvation? The blood of Christ was shed because he values your soul that much. He loves you enough that he would leave the perfection and the throne of heaven to endure the suffering and the shame of the cross and die It's a horrible and gruesome death because he values you. He's almost saying, would you value you like I value you? (laughs) Think wisely. Verse 38, he says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Jesus is saying, you you may endure shame now for following me, but you will receive glory later. I think a lot of times when we think of Jesus, especially if we're unfamiliar with what the scripture says, I feel like we have this picture of like, he's just this meek and mild, like shepherd. He don't say a lot. He just smiles a little bit. And then when you actually read what he says, you're like, oh, snap. (laughs) What do he call y'all? Adulterous and sinful? Doggone, Jesus chill you know like like he just he just listen we we live in a generation that that actually is ashamed of jesus and his word he said that that would be the case he called the generation adulterous and sinful it's a generation that doesn't keep his commitments have you been let down by someone didn't keep their commitments a generation that wants no limits or guardrails i don't want to be confined by anything i want to make up what i want to do in the middle of that, Jesus calls us to spiritual faithfulness. Jesus calls us to live within God's good limits, his commands. And so we have to be careful not to be ashamed of Jesus and his words. I love that he said, don't be ashamed of me and my words. Because a lot of times, like if you don't know what somebody says, you really don't know them. So a lot of people will say, will speak very highly of Jesus, but they actually don't know what he said. Therefore, they actually don't know him. If you never talked to me, you might have seen me, or, but you don't know nothing about me. Jesus said, listen, if you want to know me, you will know what I have said. And sometimes the things that Jesus says are unpopular. I'll give you a couple of examples. Jesus said, you have heard it say, don't commit adultery. But if you look at a woman with lust, you have committed adultery with her in your heart. That ain't on no bumper stickers, is it? <laughs> Nobody, nobody's posted that on their little Instagram account. Okay, he says, he says this. He says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." He didn't say a way, a truth. He actually says, "No, no, I, I'm the only way." 
that's, that rubs against our culture, does it not? Or one time, there was this time where Jesus, uh, Jesus was, was, uh, was standing around and a crowd came to him and they said, listen, listen, Jesus, did you hear about those people who died? Like a tower fell down and they died. And I, was, I would expect Jesus to be like, man, that's sad. He, said, he says, unless you repent, you will die too. <laughs> Dang, Jesus, like, like, that ain't, anybody got that on their bumper sticker? No, no, what I'm saying is, there are unpopular things that Jesus says, and, and listen, and the reality is, we can be tempted to be ashamed of what he said. If I'm gonna just be real, I was thinking, like, I'm about to preach this thing, I, this is probably not, like, the most, like, this ain't gonna be like, yay, you know, like, but I'm like, I can't be ashamed of what Jesus said. And if we encounter shame now on account of Jesus, we will receive glory and the life to come. There was one day when this verse became so real to me. Some of you know I was, I was a missionary in East Asia in a country where it was, it was illegal uh, to share about Christ. And, and so everybody, you know, there's like secret churches, and, but every, everything was on a download. But I knew this one guy, and everybody knew he was a Christian. And I was like, bro, did you get the memo? Like, what are you doing? Like, you, sh- you, know, and, you know, he was he was a good friend of mine, and when we would talk, and and um, uh, we actually worked in the same office. I was I was teaching at school, and and one time we, we went out to eat, and I just really wanted to know about his life, and and he he was he started talking about uh, some of the costs of his being outspoken about he was a Christian, and and he said, you know, uh, at this particular job. Uh, I will never, ever get a raise, and I will never get a promotion because they know I'm a Christian. And I was like, dang, you know? <laughs> and in, in his mind, this is, what, this is the next thing he said. He said, he said, and nobody wants to marry me because I ain't got no money. That's what he said. I mean, he, just, he was just being real. And I'm like, dang, man, like, that's, that's real hard. And, and so I was trying to figure out, like, I don't know how to respond to this. And I said, I said, well, what do you, like, what do you, how do you feel about that? That was not the best way to respond. Anyway, I was like, well, 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 what are you, what are you going to do? You know? <laughs> and he said, he said this, if I am ashamed of Jesus now, he will be ashamed of me when he comes back. That verse ain't never had more weight than when it came from someone who was living it out. And I don't, I, I've lost contact with him. And I know his life is hard, but on that day, when Christ comes back, that brother's going to be honored because he was willing to encounter a little shame now for being associated with Jesus. What are the opinions of people when compared with the opinions of the Almighty God? The opinions of his angels. We don't talk about angels a lot, but if you, if you ever notice, every time an angel appears in Scripture, he always says, don't be scared. I'm just imagining that they're some pretty powerful-looking beings, okay? What are the opinions of others compared with the approval of God? And, and, and what I love about Jesus so much is that he is a teacher who actually practices exactly what he taught. He said, deny yourself. Did he deny himself? Listen, like when you think about, about the, the path to the cross, when, when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, if you remember what he said, he, he's thinking about the cross and the weight of everything he's going to encounter, and he says, if there is any other way, Father, please take this cup away from me. 
Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. When he's in this moment of trial, where the scripture says that, that his sweat was like great drops of blood, he was very honest. I don't want to go this way, but I will deny myself for you, Father. Or think about the sh- shame of a trial. You know, Jesus had a trial in the middle of the night. That just lets you know it's all messed up anyway. If somebody have a trial in the middle of the night, sums off. All right, so Jesus is at trial, and they are like slapping him in the face. They blindfolded him. They're like, prophesy, you're a prophet. Who, who slapped you? And they're saying lies about him. And there's like, what you got to say? And he was silent. He endured it. I'm sure there was a part of him that wanted to do something about that. But he denied himself. Or the fact when, when they, they, they beat him and they put a cross on his back and he's going towards this, the, the Mount Calvary and he's, he's walking and he's, he's, being, he's so weak from his beating that they actually have to have another guy help him walk. And he denied himself. And then when he is on the cross publicly before everyone, they were ridiculing him as he died. They said, you were so powerful, why don't you get down now? Yet he denied himself. He was obedient and denied himself to the point of death on the cross. Yet his denial of himself led to glory and salvation. Yeah? Because that's not the end of the story. Three days later, he rose with all power and authority in his hand. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And not only was he glorified, but what he chooses to do is that he gives us forgiveness and life. He denied himself not only to honor the Father, he denied himself for your salvation so that you can have the forgiveness and the joy and the peace knowing that you don't have to bear the consequences of your sin on your own. But he takes it. He denied himself because he loves you. That's, listen, I, when someone actually does what they teach others to do, that, that's a credible person. That's someone worth following. That's someone worth trusting. If you don't know Christ, come to him. He is a teacher with integrity, a prophet who spoke truth, and also the lamb who died in your place. Love it. Come to him. And receive that, that goodness and that grace. Now, how do we live this out, right? We're, we, we don't live, thankfully, we don't live where my friend lived, and we can be, be Christians and nobody, nobody mad about it. But does that mean we don't ever deny ourselves? What, what, in what way, how can we obey what Jesus has said? How can we deny ourselves? I got a really simple way. I'm going to use a word and I'm going to explain it. We deny ourselves in our vocation. A vocation is just a fancy way of saying the roles and the responsibilities that you have. Sometimes we think that the only avenue of, of denial is for something to be large. But if we don't obey Christ in the little things, we're not going to be ready for nothing hard. Listen, there are things that we ought to do or don't, want, or, or don't do every single day based on the roles and responsibilities that we have. I'll give you a real, just really simple example. I don't know about you, I don't, like, love changing diapers, okay? It's not, like, my favorite thing to do. But there was a time in my life where that was my role. <laughs> and I could do that. I could do that begrudgingly. I could do that frustratedly. 
or I don't know. Let me deny myself. Let, 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 let me actually love God and love my child. Let, let me not hold this begrudgingly. Like, like there are responsibilities that we have that we can do them very poorly with poor attitudes or we can do them with joy, denying ourselves for the good of the other. Yeah? Or, or, you know, if you're, if you're a, a child, you got parents, and, and they told you to clean your room, and you don't want to clean it. You're like, I'm not, I'm not. Or you can just go, you know, Jesus said I got to deny myself sometimes. Let me just honor. Let me honor them. We think through the small sacrifices and the denials that you can do with joy out of obedience to Christ. I know some of y'all got jobs y'all don't like, right? Sometimes somebody asks you to do something. I don't want to do that thing. Man, is that, if that's not an avenue of denial, I don't know what is. We would deny ourselves to, to honor the Lord and, and what we've been given. Maybe you're a student. You don't want to study. Listen, that's a denial that you can do so that you can honor Christ and serve those around you. You have a role and responsibility in this church if you call this church your home. You know, one of the things that we get to do at church is we have this opportunity to bear each other's burdens. One of the... One of the one of the honors, but also the pains of being a pastor is that you get to see the struggles in people's lives. And sometimes it's heavy. I mean, really, really heavy. But I've seen people in this church bear other people's burdens when it cost, when it wasn't just a word here or there, but when it actually cost them time and money. I've seen them do that. And I'm like, that is the avenue of denial. We can deny, deny our, own, uh, our own pleasure or, 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 or holding our lives so close to the chest that we don't serve others. But we can go, no, there are, there are roles and responsibilities I have right here. And I can love and serve people even when it costs. Listen, we have a mission as a church, right? We, we want to serve and love our community. I'm going to be real. You're not always going to want to serve in this particular role or go to that event. But beloved, we have a mission to do an avenue where you can deny yourself is by serving with us on mission. See, we imitate Christ in denying ourselves so that others are benefited. Is that not what he did? In his denial of what he wanted, we have an eternal benefit. And we can pursue him by denying ourselves so that others are benefited. So, so we don't need to be afraid to endure shame for Christ. You want to hear a wonderful verse? That, and that's another verse that's not on, the, not on the, the back of a bumper sticker. It's 2 Timothy 3.10. It says, in fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's what it says. So, so you're going to have to endure, you might have to endure some stuff to follow Jesus, but, but it's worth it in the end. Or consider this Hebrews 12, 4. It says, in your struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. He's saying, listen, y'all, y'all got it hard, but there's people out there who got it harder. There's people out there who are really suffering, suffering tooth and nail to follow Christ. So you can deny what you want sometimes so that other people can be helped. I'm going to land the plane, but I want to land it. I was reading uh, about, uh, about a young lady who became a Christian uh, in a Middle Eastern country. And, and her family found out about it. And uh, she, she came, became a Christian through like online means. And she wrote to her friends. She said, y'all, I'm, I'm probably going to die because they didn't find out. They didn't find out that I follow Christ. And this is, this is one of the things she wrote. She says, 
the Messiah says, blessed are all the persecuted, and we, for the sake of the Messiah, bear all things. By God, I am to death a Christian. Oh, my eye, cry for what is past as a sad life, for I was far away from the Lord Jesus for many years. Oh, history record and bear witness. We are Christians walking on the path of the Messiah. Take from me this knowledge and note it well. Jesus is my Lord, and he is the best protector. The same day that she wrote that, she was martyred for her faith. She actually, she obeyed that text. She denied herself, picked up her cross, and followed him. But beloved, what kind of glory awaits her? When Christ returns, she will be like a trophy among his people. That she would be willing to endure shame and suffering and even death for the cause of Christ. So we deny ourselves now by following Christ because we will gain life and glory later. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you speak to us in your word and that you are so kind that you would even speak hard truths to us. Lord, I pray that we would follow the path of Jesus, that we would deny what we want uh, to honor you and so that others may be blessed and may be served and may be cared for. Lord, help us to value our life and our soul as you value our life and our soul. And help us to make decisions that would give eternal benefit to our souls. Help us to follow you in the big things and the little things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.